Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? A resounding good. Awesome. I love that. Well, welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you this morning. What a great time for us to gather and just celebrate Jesus. Uh, this is the Advent season, and we're looking back and looking forward, and we're looking forward to his coming, uh, second coming, as well as looking back to his first coming. Such a cool time for us to, to think about that our God stepped into the mess, got down to earth, and came to be among us. That's awesome. We get to celebrate that. Every year, I kind of think about like some of the Christmas traditions and celebrations that we kind of do. Um, right after Thanksgiving, my family, we like to go out in the woods and find this tree, right? And we wrap it with lights and bring it in our house, and hopefully it doesn't have like bugs and squirrels in it. Um, Christmas vacation. Um, <laughs> but it's like a, a, a family tradition for us. Steph and I now have a, an artificial tree, but we still go out in the woods with my family, and it's... It's kind of a fun thing that we do to start the season off. But it's funny, we always like drive up, we see the tree we want from the car, and we go like wander around for like three hours, and then we come back to that first tree and, and, and take that one home. Um, but it's a fun thing that we do. It kind of just says we're now entering into something and we're decorating it with lights. And it reminds us that Christ is the light of the world. So I'm wondering if you guys have any cool Advent or Christmas traditions that you just like look forward to every single year. Go ahead and stand up, greet your neighbor, and maybe share one of those traditions with them. Some good traditions going on out there. <coughs> so I'm lighting up a scripture. Good morning. It is now the second week of Advent, and today we get to light the peace candle. Uh, during Advent, we look back and we look forward. We look back to Christ coming 2,000 years ago, and we also look forward to his second coming when we, he will restore all things to perfect peace. Scripture reminds us that peace that comes from God transcends where we find ourselves, that it supersedes our circumstances. Advent gives us a moment to focus in and recognize that peace wherever we find ourselves today, searching, wondering, looking, longing, waiting. When we set our eyes on Jesus, we find that peace, and he is with us in our waiting. The people of Israel were waiting for hundreds of years. A Messiah was promised, but it seemed like it was taking forever. When would he come and make all things right? And even so, in that waiting, they clung to these words from the prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9.6 In this Advent season, we can be people of peace because we know that our King Jesus, who has come and will come again, is the Prince of Peace. 
invite you to sing along with us as we sing this song about our King who is the peace.
breaking through the silence with glory in the highest the hope of all creation resting in his mother's arms a song on the horizon ringing through the heavens the long way to savior Set the captives free. Come to set the captives free. Come to set us free. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. Emmanuel, the light of the world, who broke through the darkness. story of redemption started in a manger when
this next video from the story. Right before King David died, he told his son Solomon to be strong, follow God's ways, and no matter what, not to worship other gods. Shortly after Solomon took over as king, God appeared to him and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Worried about following in his father's footsteps, Solomon asked God to give him wisdom, to know the difference between right and wrong. God not only promised to give Solomon wisdom, but great riches and honor as well. 
The first test of Solomon's wisdom happened when two prostitutes came to him. There was a young child that each of them claimed was theirs. Solomon knew one of them had to be one of them. So he asked his servants to bring out a sword and suggested to the woman that he cut the boy in two and give each of them half. One of the women was so worried that the boy would be killed that she immediately asked Solomon to give the child to the other woman. Solomon saw her love and protection and knew that it had to be her baby, so he gave the boy to her. The Israelites were in awe of Solomon's great wisdom. He ruled for many years, growing in wealth and fame. He also wrote down many wise sayings called Proverbs. During his reign, Solomon planned to finish building the temple his father, David, wanted to build. They built a temple that was not incredibly large, but was unbelievably beautiful and detailed. It was 90 feet by 30 feet and had two bronze pillars that led into the place where sacrifices were made. When it was finished, Solomon and the other leaders sacrificed a huge number of animals and worshiped to God. When they did, the whole temple filled with a thick cloud of smoke. Solomon prayed, asking God to meet the Israelites in the temple and hear their prayers. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from the sky and burned up the animal sacrifices. That night, God appeared to Solomon again and promised to bless him in all that he did, as long as he would keep following God. In some areas, Solomon did follow what God told him to. But in others, like worshiping other gods, he failed. Because of this, God told Solomon that the kingdom of Israel would be taken from his son, and they would not enjoy the peaceful, successful reign that he had. I would like to invite all the children preschool through fifth grade up here so we can pray before dismissal. thank you for each of these children here with us today thank you for each of the parents that are willing to bring them to learn more about you and for our teachers who are willing to teach as well and help each of us to have open um, ears and hearts to hear what you have to say amen thanks see you everybody bye well good morning to you all Good to see you as they head off to learn more about Solomon. We're going to learn more about Solomon in just a minute. Uh, but we have a ministry update. It's that kind of time of year of um, the end of the year where nonprofits, churches, um, we want to update you. And we want to update you as a church. And so Leah, who is our watershed elder, is here from council to give us an update. Morning. Good morning. My name's Leah, and I'm up here to give a financial update. I feel like this is probably one of the only times you see me talking. But it is pretty standard this time of year just to have this conversation because we're all in a season of giving and feeling blessed and just talking about what we've been able to accomplish during the year we've had. 
So I want to give an update from council of where we are. And I want to also encourage everyone who is not on an email list or who has not had the opportunity to get communication with us from us about this before to sign up. We have done a great job of just sending out notifications here and there of where we're at and just what's going on on our campuses. So please get the email um, registration. You can just go to our website. And there was a video that got sent out earlier this week that gave a little bit of background about what we're talking about. So I'm just going to read a little bit about um, where we're sitting at the end of the year as a church. 2022 has been um, a very fruitful season post-pandemic with all the ministries uh, being returned once again. We are thankful for vibrancy and growth in our worship services and music ministries. Council continues to be grateful for the wide variety of ways that God is working through Hard Awake Ministries. Our church continues to be very busy, active, and blessed on campus. Among many blessings, there are some challenges as well. Council continues to work together with staff through several ongoing areas that impact our life together as a community. First, due to the health concerns raised by the pandemic, the distribution of communion elements was suspended for a time, and it's since been modified. Staff has worked through this, depending on the needs of each community, and we're continuing to adapt as the health concerns present themselves. Second, during the pandemic, the passing of the collection plate for offerings was suspended in all services. We never had that here at Watershed, but some of the other communities did, and we suspended it because of health concerns. Council is discussing with staff um, about how to renew the emphasis on this importance of this missing part of worship in each surface. An offering is a formational spiritual discipline and act of worship, no matter how or when it's received. Many have chosen reoccurring giving through the Hard Awake website or their bank, for which council is very thankful for. Every offering is received with gratitude as your contributions are what make our ministries possible. Third, as the year comes to a close, and as our hockey stick explanation video sent out earlier this week notes, it's income in the last eight weeks of the calendar year, what is known in the nonprofit world as the hockey stick giving, and at this time to the end of the year, we are trusting that God, through the covenant partners of Heart Awake, will provide 475449 in this month of December. Hardwick has historically received about 30% um, of this during the last few weeks of the year. These funds will allow us to finish the year well and position us on a solid footing for the upcoming year. Expenses continue to run slightly below approved budget levels while being fully staffed with all the areas of ministry resumed. Even in these challenges, we are thankful for our gospel-centered ministries. On Sunday mornings and community nights, you can experience our robust children's ministries, including GEMS and cadets. Throughout the week, you can give thanks for our youth ministries that serve our community and its young people, and the variety of adult education opportunities also being provided. These highlights are only a sampling, and it is your prayers and investment at Heart Awake through your gifts of time, service, and financial contributions that make all of our ministries possible. So I just want to start by saying thank you because we have really come back from just a couple of odd years with the pandemic. And I'm sure all of you can see on Sunday morning, we're starting to see a lot of life here and a lot of community that's starting to happen again. I know as a mom, my kids are involved in a lot of stuff and I'm so thankful for the youth ministries and just many of the things that the church has providing for our kids. And I want to just take this opportunity to have us all stand up 
Uh, we're doing this across the campus. We are all part of making these lights turn on every week. And everyone has a role to play. And if you're coming here and if you love being part of Heart Awake, I just ask that you prayerfully consider how you can support us financially in these next couple weeks. And right now, if you can stand up and just say thank you to the people around you. If you see volunteers, if you see people who are helping with your children every week, we couldn't do it without you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you may have a seat. One a story that happened last week um, was awesome. One of one of our kiddos came up after worship and uh, basically had a dollar in change um, and just said, "Here you go." And I'm like, "Oh man!" And my heart just melted. And I'm like, "Is that that for the offering?" And he goes, "Yeah." And so we walked him right back, and, you know, here we have boxes by the doors, and, um, and we just put it in. And I said, well, praise God. Thank you, buddy. You know, I mean, just from the simplest, it doesn't need to be much. Um, but I know that made my week um, to see in the heart of a child generosity and love and gratitude for what God has given. Um, so, again, uh, I've said it throughout emails, like Leah said, you know, um, we are working actually as a staff on communications, streamlining communications. How can we keep it simple? We don't want to flood your boxes or anything like that. But um, I send out an email every week that's kind of a recap on the message. And, you know, so if you're interested in ever getting on those lists. But, you know, I said in my email this week, just again, thank you. Um, thank you to everybody for the time, talents, energies. Uh, for your tithe, right, the giving of, of God's gifts. Uh, we couldn't do ministry without you. Uh, so praising God for you this morning, and uh, let's, let's dive into the life of Solomon, and uh, let's pray to our God. Father, thank you because you are a generous God. Uh, you're the one who makes, makes it so that we can uh, have this space and place to worship in. You make it happen through the jobs uh, that we all have through the generosity of our hearts um, in gratitude for what you've given us. Lord, you make it happen sometimes in miraculous ways. Um, by, Lord, we know you're the owner of cattle on a thousand hills. And Lord, you, you can sell one of those cows and you make those things happen. You take care of us. You've taken care of us as a community, a heart white community, for over 125 years. Lord, if we just pause for a moment and think about that. For over 125 years, you have provided through your people for ministry to happen here on the north side of Holland. Lord, you haven't done that just for Heart Alike. You've done that for your church across this community. This, this West Michigan community is, is blessed to be filled with more believers and, and churches. And Lord, uh, we're not quite the, the American average. We're still over that average. We still see the bright light of you shining, Lord. And we pray that that light will continue to shine through your people. Lord, that the good news of the gospel of Jesus that we're going to talk about today, a peace 
Lord, we, we light candles of hope and peace to recognize that you are our contentment. You are our peace. God, we pray that that light shines in us today as we hear your word. As we listen to what you have to say, God, use my words for your glory. God, as brothers and sisters in faith listen in their communities of faith today, all around us and all around this world, may there be a peace that not only grabs each and every one of our hearts, but, Lord, goes out from us to others who don't yet know that peace, that contentment, that hope. So Holy Spirit, King of glory, come down. Lord, as you dwell within us in your Holy Spirit, make yourself known. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. So we're continuing our Advent series, following the line of David, talking about a king who is coming. And uh, last week we talked about David's life. We talked first the first week about David having a heart for God. Last week we wrestled with hope and how can you have hope when a person who, when we want to have a heart after God and yet we fail so miserably, right? We saw David repent. And that in our repentance, in our turning, in our relying on God's goodness, we can be restored. Today we're going to talk about his son Solomon and in his life. As I've been thinking about this message, I've been wondering about this question, when is enough enough? As Drew and I were talking about uh, this very phrase this, this week, he mentioned J.D. Rockefeller and how J.D. Rockefeller was, was asked the question, how much money is enough money? And Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. I want to make a confession today. It's going to sound strange. But I have gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> gas. <laughs> it's actually a music. I'm a musician. Like, you see these pedals up here on, on Drew's board? I might walk away with them. Why? Because I want them and like them, and musically they'll do something. <laughs> I can't help it. On uh, Black Friday, what did I buy from Amazon? A hot tone, wah volume expression pedal for my guitar. And what does it do? It goes wah, 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 You know, like that. Those are, I, I got a new amp recently, and, and I can plug it direct into the sound system. And it has all these speaker cabinets, because, you know, here at Watershed, we're not, we don't go live speakers, otherwise we would really blow you out the room, right? So we, get, we plug direct to the soundboard, and you got to try to make it sound live. And, and my amp comes with like half a dozen speaker cabinets and mics, and I mean, they're all professionally done. What did I need to do? I needed to go buy more. Why? Because enough is never enough. Can you relate? For me, it's gear acquisition syndrome. Yes, it is gas. <laughs> For others, maybe it's money. For others, it's relationships. For us today, when is enough enough? 
See, King Solomon, and what we're going to hear in just a moment from the scripture is, it seems like his life is filled with wisdom and wealth, and it seems like the more he got, the more fabulous things were, and the more the world knew, and, and, and his very main name means peace, like peace and prosperity happened. But the problem was in Solomon's life that the more he accumulated also seemed to be more compromise. And along the way, as he compromised compromised little by little by little, he got further and further away from God. See, his peace ended up lying in something different. His contentment, which is peace, was found somewhere else. Where's ours today? Let's hear God's word as we dive into 1 Kings Chapter 3, we're going to hear the beginning of kind of Solomon's career. At Gibeon, which was a high place, it was a place where um, most of the sacrifices at the time were, were given to the Lord. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. He had gone to offer sacrifices. And the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. How many of you would love for God to show up in your dream and, and give you that? <laughs> Right, Solomon, though, answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child. This time he was probably 20 years old. I'm only a young man. I'm only a little child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant wisdom. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern the great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. It goes on that God does give Solomon this gift of wisdom. We actually saw the story this morning of the two prostitutes fighting over a child. And and his decision, while it may sound a little weird to go, hey, let's just Chop the kid in half, and we'll see what happens, right? But in his discernment, his wisdom, what the mother of the child said, I'd rather be without the child than have the child for this child to live and have a future, right? And so that story of wisdom showed that Solomon had been gifted what God had promised and what he had asked for. Throughout his life, you know, it it seems like he had sort of this superhero story. He builds the temple. He spends seven years building the temple. David had his father had wanted to build and yet wasn't allowed to. And yet Solomon took this wealth in, in in his wisdom and had, I mean, thousands upon thousands of people put energies and effort into building the temple. He had the Ark of the Covenant moved into this temple, and they celebrated. He prays a beautiful prayer about how, Lord, if if we fail you, let our hearts turn back to you. May we come to this place. May you accept our worship. Like he is looking like a stud. His wisdom then is renowned throughout the world. People come from all over the world to hear the things that he has to say. In fact, at the end of his reign, 1 Kings 10, we hear this. King Solomon 
was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver, gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. King made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Ku. The royal merchants purchased them from Ku at the at the current price. They imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver. I mean, this was a fancy chariot. And a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and of the Arameans. It looks like he's having success. His life towards the end of it sounds like it's full of success. But if we read the scripture closely, we listen to the list that we just heard. Was that success? From a world standpoint, Jerusalem, the people of Israel, had peace. Solomon, again, whose name means peace, has brought peace, prosperity. There wasn't any wars. There was riches, wealth, horses, chariots. There was an army vast. He had wives. And many of the time, these wives from all of these nations, 700, by the way, and another 300 concubines, 1,000 women in his house. Right? These were building political alliances, securing the borders, securing the nation. What seems like success, I say today, though, wasn't. Why and how? Well, Deuteronomy 17. When we talk, I referenced this a, a while back talks about God understanding and knowing that Israel would have a king, right? The idea of asking for Saul as their king wasn't the problem. It was that they wanted someone to lead them in place of who God was. Solomon, while he starts his life asking for wisdom, much of his life is filled writing wisdom, expounding on wisdom, is full of compromise. We see the compromise because in Deuteronomy 17, we hear exactly what a king was supposed to be, what a king was not. God says this, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it. And you say, let's set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. Okay, no problem so far. Well, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself. Hang on a second. What did we just hear? Thousands of horses and chariots. Not only must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people to re return to Egypt to get more of them. What did we hear in 1 Kings? Where did they go to buy the fancy chariot, the really expensive horse? Egypt. 
Egypt for, throughout the Old Testament is, is again that image of God's salvation, God owning the people for himself, taking them from their brokenness, taking them from their pain, taking them from their enslavement, their entrapments, and, and saying, you're free. Don't go back there. Don't ever go back there. Keep leaning on me. Keep trusting on me. You don't need armies. You don't need horses, chariots. You don't need wealth. You have me to provide. Right? So don't ever go back to Egypt, more of them, for the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. By the way, in chapter 3 of 1 Kings, where we first started today, just before we hear Solomon go up to have this, offer sacrifices to God and has this great dream, says that he marrows, marries Pharaoh's daughter. That one of his first wives that he takes is Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, takes his daughter for his own. Now it's great that Solomon builds a temple for himself, but by the way, he also built a palace for Pharaoh's daughter. And while Solomon takes seven years to build the temple, he spends 14 building his house. Series of compromises. He must not go back that way again. Verse 17, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. We'll get to that in just a moment. He must not accumulate what? Large amounts of silver and gold. Right? God, this whole time, wants reliance, wants our contentment, wants us to be satisfied with his provision, not doing things the world's way. When he takes, when the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It's to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God, follow carefully all the words of the law in these decrees. When David died and he passed on the throne to Solomon, he said, be sure to follow the Lord. Stay close to the law. Don't let it depart from you. Whereas David writes something like Psalm 119 where he says, I've hidden your word, God, in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We see Solomon write more about wisdom. I wonder if Solomon spent more time expounding on his wisdom than he did reading God's word don't know, but I wonder. I wonder because as a pastor, my job is to talk about God's word. One of the challenges I face is to be in it and be enlivened by it, just to be enlivened and enriched by it, not to simply do my job. It's an important thing for me. If I'm to be an under-shepherd to our great shepherd, the word of God can't just be my job. It's got to be in who I am. I've got to bury it in my life. And I know the times when I have it, oh, it's easy to compromise. So I wonder if Solomon maybe got caught up in the wisdom God had given him and pouring it out to others. Maybe he missed the wisdom God was trying to tell him. It goes on to say this, and do not 
consider himself better than the fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. And he, his descendants, will reign a long time over his kingdom of Israel. Right? There would be life. See, what we end up finding out here now in 1 Kings 11 is he did veer to the right, to the left. We understand why now having a thousand wives, concubines in his house would lead him astray. King Solomon, verse 1 of chapter 11, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nations, listen to this, they were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts away from to their God. This is why I wonder, did he spend time in God's word? Or was he maybe caught up sharing wisdom? Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. And by the way, this isn't just emotional love. This is a radical commitment of love. And I'm going to stay committed to them. I'm going I'm to stay in relationship to them. I'm going I'm to let them be that other part of me holding up this house together. Scripture says he had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. See, David screwed up, but David shows us that our heart can still be after God even when we make mistakes by turning back, by repenting, by owning our mistakes and leaning on, trusting on. Solomon doesn't. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites, right? a god that requires human sacrifice. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Shemash, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. They're basically one and the same, requiring human sacrifice. Right? He did the same for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. Solomon, for as wealthy and as wise as he was, had a life filled with compromise. He didn't get to this point overnight. Right, like David, I mean, sometimes you just, you, you, you go one day uh, to the next, and, I mean, there's this moment, but most of us, we may not be able to relate to David, but I think most of us can relate to Solomon. That in those little bits of compromise, those compromise lead us further and further along. We rationalize, we justify, it's no big deal. It's not hurting anybody. I mean, look at the world says it's okay. Everything Solomon did to secure peace, which looked like peace, was absolutely acceptable in the world's eyes. Have all of these wives. Why? Because it makes sure you and the other kings are good with each other. Yay, because, by the way, women at that time were basically money. They were basically a, a commodity to be traded so that everybody was okay. Hey, it's acceptable. Get horses and chariots. Build your army. 
Because whoever has the biggest army has no problems, will never have to worry. Hey, by the way, if you don't have an army, it's good to have money to buy one. If you can't have friends, have money because you can buy those. <laughs> it all looks good. But over time. Right, it's kind of like boiling a frog, right? You're going to cook a frog, you put the frog in the water. We've all heard this one before, right? You don't put the frog in hot boiling water. It just jumps right on out. But if you put the frog in some nice cool water and slowly keep turning up the heat, what happens? As time goes, you've got a boiled frog. See, as much as sin can convince us in a moment to make mistakes, Satan in his insidious nature wants to simply get us to compromise over and over and over and over again. And he will go to the places of our heart where enough is not enough. Where we are looking for contentment, a peace, an identity, and something other than him. And compromise always leads to catastrophe. We pick up in chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. David repents. Solomon doesn't. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, you have not kept my covenant with my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, see, God isn't done with us. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. Right? For the sake of of this king that I had made promise to, that I love, I will, I will not take it out of your hands in your lifetime. I'm going to take it out of your sons. After Christmas, we're going to pick up the story there. Because yet I won't tear the whole kingdom from him, but I will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and, the first, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. What we will begin to hear throughout the Old Testament is that even though sin seems to, to win, God keeps leaving remnants. Remnants of hope, right? That's the first week of Advent. Why? So that we can find contentment and peace even though everything around us doesn't look that way. So if Satan targets when enough is not enough in our lives, when he tries to bring about compromise, when he tries to get after the things where we aren't quite at peace, my question for us this morning is this. Where is then your contentment? What is it in life? What do you lean on? What do you hold on to? Jesus will speak to Solomon. I'd like to think Solomon wasn't a lost cause. Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you read Ecclesiastes, right, you hear that it's, it's, of, it's attributed to Solomon, but it seems like he's at the very last of his life going, I've done everything you possibly can do in life. I've had every pleasure. I'd have, I've had every wealth and riches. Nothing was held from my hands. And yet I know this, fear the Lord. 
when it all comes down to everything, wisdom is vain, money is vain, stupid wah, volume, expression paddles, they're vain, even though they're purple and they match my amp. Dang. (laughs) The secret of it all is this. Fear the Lord. I'd like to think that Solomon, there was still hope. You know, every time Jesus refers to Solomon, he never throws him under the bus. And one of the places is in Matthew 6. And I think this is fitting for us to hear today as we kind of bring things to a close. Matthew 6, Jesus on his famous sermon on the mountain says this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin don't destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. What does Jesus say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Solomon's life, we see him treasuring his wives, treasuring the treasure, treasuring the stuff, treasuring even a a perspective of peace. But was that the kingdom? Jesus will later then in verse 28 go on to talk about worry, contentment. He says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, here we go, he's referencing Solomon. Not even Solomon in all his splendor. He doesn't knock him for the splendor, but he says, Solomon in all of his splendor, let's look at the the flowers and look at how they're cared for. Not even Solomon is dressed like the flowers of the field. Why do you worry when God can give more to a flower than what looks like the richest, wealthiest king that ever was? If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus is inviting us, when he says, you of little faith, he's inviting us to put more trust in him. It's not a knock on you. It's not a knock on me. He's inviting us into something more. Trust in me. Find your contentment, your your peace in me. Paul will later write in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. We light these candles to remind ourselves that the Lord is near. A king who is coming again, who has come, by the way, fills each and every one of us through his Holy Spirit each and every day. The Lord is near. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can be people of peace because Christ is in us. The only way we have access to that peace and contentment is if we allow that to be enough for us. I wonder if you'll join me in a journey, because that's what it is, a journey of learning to trust, a journey of learning to be content in the presence of Jesus, the one who loves us, 
saves us, gives our breath, our life, our very being, who forgives and gives us the opportunity to keep living. Let's pray. God, thank you that peace has come, that you are with us. God, help us to be reminded again that you do forgive. Even though Solomon, we don't hear this morning of him repenting, changing his mind, changing his way, getting carried away. That doesn't mean because he chose to live into a different story that your story isn't still there and present and real. Right, the promise that you gave to David, you held true to because David continued to trust and live even though he made mistakes. He kept coming back to you because you kept loving, you kept offering life. God, may we keep coming back to you. Lord, I know it's not easy in our lives and we don't want to see it often because the compromises in our lives we more often than not justify. But I pray that by your grace and your spirit, you'd give us the strength to stop justifying today. God, that we would come clean with ourselves, with you, with others. David had Nathan. It didn't seem like Solomon had much of the priesthood to step in in his life. Lord, we all maybe need somebody in our lives to help us see, to be a person of grace that we can confess to who will help us again return to you. Lord, help us to see, to own our compromises, to turn from them. Father, you have gifted us with your spirit. That's part of the gift of Jesus coming into this world, to leave your very presence, not in a temple, but in us. We have access to your power and your peace, your contentment. So Lord, fill us with that today. May you be enough for us, God. Lord, and again, thank you that no matter our circumstance, no matter our situations, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding, that it guards our hearts and minds in you. Again, Father, may we rest in that peace. And again, we want to just say thank you. Thank you for your love, your forgiveness, and your life in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said, amen. You know, the Advent season is a, a time where we can kind of recenter our hearts on Jesus, the gift, the greatest gift we could ever receive. And when we look to him, we, we kind of learn the value and the meaning of that gift. And that's where I think our contentment can come from. So we just invite you today, stand with us as we sing this song, a reminder that Jesus came and why he came for us.
I didn't get a chance to say this last week. Um, but I mentioned it in the prayer at the end of the message. David had Nathan. Nathan came and was invited to speak into David's life. A friend to help him turn back. We don't know if Solomon had somebody to help him along the way. If you need somebody, call me. Let's talk. You're not alone. We need each other to challenge Satan and sin in our lives. We need help. Not because you're bad. Not because I'm evil. But it's because I'm a prisoner of someone Jesus needed to come and defeat to save me. Call me if you need somebody. Don't hide it alone. Don't let it fester. Because over time, it will just keep winning. And Jesus has come to bring us life. There is freedom in Christ. There is friendship that can help us in that journey. And there is a rest of peace in the spirit. So receive this blessing from our God today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind helping stack a couple chairs, we appreciate it.